Hey everyone, hey. we are Linda and Drew Scott and this is At Home. This is a show where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers and doers, leaders and even magicians mm. on the impact that they're making in the world starting at home. We find inspiration in the big and the small moments, in successes and in failures and look for ways that we can better our relationships with ourselves, with our communities, and with the planet. Because we truly believe that any difference we want to make out there starts wherever you are with yourself at home. Continuing on our theme of love at home this month, this week we're exploring what it takes to make the magic work in a relationship. We want to talk about the parts of love that we may not see on social media. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing because every time we say love, we're like, love, well, like we're in grade three. <laughs> yes. Well, these are the parts of love that may not be the easiest to share. The parts that take work day after day. Yeah, and we know there's no formula, or if there is, someone tell us. Um, and there isn't an, a single answer to making it work, you know, the whole work-life harmony thing, but we're hoping that with every conversation we have, we can find little nuggets that we can use in our own lives, and hopefully it'll be helpful for you as well. So we invited Zach and Rachel King to talk about their love of magic and magic of love. So cheesy. Super cheesy, but it's a great <laughs> thing we love cheese. Yes. Many of you know Zach for his mind-blowing magic, is Video Illusions on YouTube, and he was recently named by Guinness World Record the most followed male on TikTok. He started with six-second viral videos on Vine and the infamous Jedi Kittens, which I love. That garnered over a million views in three days. Now, keep in mind, this was almost a decade ago. Today, with over 90 million followers, Zach King is undoubtedly one of today's most prominent creators. His team at King Studios creates magical and uplifting content for his fans all around the world. And behind the curtains of all the magic is his wife, Rachel, who has also appeared in several of his videos and their two toddler boys, Mason and Liam. And they've shared their love story on his YouTube channel, as well as their journey of becoming foster parents. We talked to them about finding out where the real magic happens at home. The magic behind the magic. Ooh, this <laughs> is Rachel and Zach King. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Rachel and Zach joined us from their home and we began the conversation with where their lives started, their childhood, how they met, and the story of their growing family. Well, going back to childhood, so neither Zach or I actually grew up in California. I grew up in the Midwest, outside Chicago. Um, so I have two other siblings and both are adopted and my dad did a lot of missions work. So we traveled a good amount. 
overseas. And that was really important for him to open our eyes to the world. So I think that was a huge factor in how I wanted to build my family and kind of the things that were important in life. Um, and then I came out to California for college. So I came out and we both met at Biola university. That's where we attended. And so that's where we met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I studied uh, social work and I worked at a local um, foster adoption agency, just working in the adoption department. And then we were kind of at a place where his stuff was taking off. And so I kind of joined the team, but I also wanted to stay home because we were kind of ready to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought, okay, well, let's just do foster care first. There's such a need there. Um, there's, I mean, there's almost half a million kids in the foster care system in the United States. So oh. we're like, let's just start there. And Zach was totally on board. Didn't even, he didn't have to think about it for more than five seconds. He's like, yeah, let's do it. So, wow. um, yeah, so that was five years ago, I think. And that we started our foster care journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have had two little boys. And so one um, was reunified, got to reunify with his birth parents, which was awesome. And then our sweet Mason, we adopted. Um, it'll be two years in April that we got to finalize his adoption. So yeah, and we're about to jump mm-hmm. back in uh, in the next couple weeks, month um, to start again. So yeah, it's been cool. It's been a cool journey. Are are you starting uh, fostering again or you're looking for adoption again? So we're going to start fostering again. um, And the goal of foster care at the beginning is always reunification with birth Mm -hmm. parents. So that's kind of where our hearts are. We're ready to support birth parents. Um, But if adoption presents itself, we're also open for that as well. So again, can't predict what the journey will be. So we're just kind of jumping in. So just a bit of background on Rachel and Zach's two boys. So five years ago, as Rachel mentioned, they fostered their first baby. And after a year, the baby was reunited with his birth parents, which is hard when you bond with the baby for a year. But Rachel did say this is the goal of foster care. Shortly after they opened themselves up to fostering another newborn, Mason, And while they were fostering Mason, Rachel got pregnant with their first biological son, Liam. And then once they had Liam, the boys quickly bonded with one another. So Rachel and Zach decided to adopt Mason since he couldn't be reconnected with his family. That's amazing. Okay, let's learn about Zach's childhood and how that influenced or prepared him for being foster parents. Yeah, so I grew up on a farm for most of my life in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I had three younger sisters. And so the youngest of those sisters joined our family. Uh, when I was in high school, kind of about, about to graduate, actually. Uh, and she joined the family from from Chongqing, China. And so that was my first experience with adoption. Um, and I, I really didn't know anything about foster care until I met Rachel mm. and she was working in the field. Um, but I, I think the way it prepared me, I mean, one, a huge part in our family now is um, our foster ministry and just what we, how we try to support other families and also, um, you know, starting to bring kids back into the home here. Um, you know, it really came from that first insight of having the experience of adoption in my mm. personal family growing up. Um, so that's been huge. And, um, and learning to how to process with various kiddos of different ages, their different story. You know, we're told that um, they should know their story age appropriate by the time they're 16 and know the full story and all the details by that time. Um, mm. And so, you know, having that experience with my younger sister, and uh, and her her family as well, your brother and, and your sister. Yeah. Um, like your brother has a really cool story. He went to go find his birth mother in Asia, 
And so we got to walk him through that process or walk with him through that process. And um, that's kind of what we've taken into our family. Um, And really like, I think foster care, I didn't know much about it, but I thought it was, you know, the way it was portrayed in movies and the way I I interpreted it was it's very, like you don't tell kids that they were adopted or into the family. Like you hear about these stories that kids didn't know until their wedding day or until they were 18, like that they were adopted. And so that's, you know, it's a very, we want to be very transparent and, and, grow with the kiddos because there's a lot of healing to do, you know, even after they officially join your family. Yeah. And, and I w- th- that always blew my mind when, like, why would you keep secrets from, yeah. you're trying to build a trust and, and potentially, I mean, depending on how old, you know, kids are when, when they're adopted, sometimes the, they're coming from a background where they don't have any trust and, and then to find out that you were keeping something from them possibly too. I, I never understood that. You were so. thinking about This Is Us, aren't you? I watched too much <laughs> This Is Us, guys. Okay. Too much I think also um, from working in the field and just research I've you know studied more of an old school approach of um, kind of keep it a secret, um, and so now we're everyone's learning that it's actually healthier for the kids to know more and to even have relationships with their birth parents if they're adopted. And with foster care, it's a little bit more obvious because you're you know visiting with your birth parents and yeah. there's a lot more dynamics in a child's life when they're in foster care. Um, it's not really a secret for them. So, but I think that everyone's starting to learn that it's a healthier approach for kids to just know that family is bigger than just blood. You know, you can have birth parents and adoptive parents and all be family together. And so that's kind of the approach we take is, you know, family is more than just our biological relatives. It's, you know, choosing unconditional love for whoever comes into our family. So our son's parents are family to us, you know, just that, that unconventional approach, I think, um, is really important. Yeah. Funny you mentioned this is us because we were really into that show. And then around the time their foster story started weaving in, it just got so emotional. And it was also too real. Like we were watching, we also watched shows probably more for an escape. And, uh, I think we, we sadly haven't watched it since we were just like, Oh, this is too real. Like we were dealing with similar stuff in our real life. And we're like, coming to the show we're like you know what we can't watch this we're like crying so much every time yeah i know it's it's almost like therapy watching because you if you don't cry watching an episode there's something wrong (laughs) yeah uh, Yeah. so so with uh with your relationship between the two of you and then also um with with your your family um you know it's relationships can be hard enough as is it's it's a lot of work um but then you guys are also in the public eye how do you guys balance um that time your time and then how do you how do you balance being in the public eye um, while trying to keep a healthy relationship? There's a couple factors there. I mean, there's, there's the work life harmony, which we've had to figure out. And we actually kind of took the approach. I I run like a creative production company and it's very much like, you know, we want it to be, it feels like Google, you can come in anytime or whatever. But like, we actually kind of started by doing a nine to five policy, um, just generally, trying to let people know, like, we're not trying to answer emails at midnight. I don't want, we don't want to get pinged at two in the morning. Like we can, we can do that the I'm next terrible day. terrible for that. I try to stop. <laughs> Nobody took, cares about your email at 2am. <laughs> it took us so many years to, I mean, with the team and myself and personal habits to, to build that schedule. And, and as a creative, it felt lame to be like, oh yeah, we do nine to five. You know, like that's what we're, I feel like we're all trying to escape, but yeah. um, we, we really uh, live by that nine to five so that when we come home, I can, turn off work for a couple hour chunk, be with the families, put the kiddos down, be with Rachel. And then, you know, I might go back to a nine or nine to 11 o'clock kind of little work cleanup 
the day or plan for the next week. But yeah. um, really, it's, it's, it took a long time to get that routine. So that's been really healthy for us. And I think we started that a little bit before kids. I mean, mm-hmm. we had a season of just kind of go, 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 which is a lot easier when you don't have kids because then you can kind of say, oh, I have an hour at lunch. You want to take a date or, you know, it's a little easier. And so we we thought before we have kids, okay, let's try to build some of these habits now so that it's not this massive shift for our family and that our mm-hmm. kids get, you know, the attention and the love yeah. that they need um, outside of work too. Well, we can relate to that. I mean, I do have this love-hate relationship with both that go, go, go mentality and a nine to five structure. The thing for me is if I get my mind on something, I can go for days where I really focus in on that, but it's hard to shut myself off at five o'clock if I have that mindset. Yeah, and, and I get that. I don't expect you to, and I, I have a hard time as well, but I think I recognize it in ourselves. Um, I try to prevent us from working until midnight every night. I, I get that, you know, it can't be a strict like five o'clock, pencils down. Um, there are going to be days where we have 14 hour work days and that's fine as long as we schedule the downtimes as much as we schedule the work times. But there is that ah kind of feeling that you do get <laughs> when you can just put work aside, even if you're in the middle of a project and it's not completed, just so you can just focus on relaxing some chill time, yeah, time with family. Totally. And, and also there is something to be said for how like structure makes room for creativity um, so that, you know, your mind isn't as messy. Hey, it is true what they say though. If you want something done, give it to the busiest person in the room. I'm definitely amazed at how much work, how many things parents can get done. Mm-hmm. They're superhumans. You know, we did try and, and started the habits, but once you have kids, it just forces you to, like, you have to figure out how to get more time in your day. Yeah. Uh, and it's a weird thing that, it, like, it just works out. Like, you end up, for in the beginning, for me, I was slightly less productive, but in a weird way, having the schedules made me just way more productive because I know, like, oh, I got to fit it in this time. And, and I'm like really motivated to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and I think too, there's a lot of grace because creative minds, like you said, it's hard to shut them off. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more of the like type A make list. I am not as creative as Zach whatsoever. So I feel like we kind of balance each other out in that sense. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, it took a little bit of time to recognize it's hard for him to shut it off when he gets an idea. And so um, I think we learn kind of that grace of, Hey, I have an idea and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll put the boys down, you know, finding that balance of it not being so rigid um, and just kind of finding that flow of understanding how each other works. Um, I like lists. So I'll like make a note and make lists and say, okay, by this time, can you finish this? Um, Because he will just kind of be off. And so we kind of find that balance. So one of the things I was curious about, because you and I struggle with this in our relationship, was if or how they create boundaries for the personal time and for their work life beyond the nine to five structure. Yeah, like how lay it out for us <laughs> yeah can you just give it to us in writing and we'll sign that we'll we'll agree and stick to it <laughs> no i think we've been better at this lately but balance can be such a vague concept so for me like i want to know what are the everyday choices that are made you know how they set themselves up for success how do you decide what goes and what stays like what to actually prioritize i know it's not like a copy and paste like see what other people do and then copy it but yeah, I'm just curious. Like, how do you support one another so you don't build up resentment towards each other? Um, I feel like we've had these, these variations <laughs> very of large, conversations uh, all the time. And it might be the source of one of our... We've uh, gone to a good place. But at the beginning, that was actually probably one of our biggest points of tension. Um, 
was, you know, how do you keep pursuing your dreams, but also have balance and have family time and um, make family a priority. But, you know, where are the sacrifices? Where do you draw the line? All of that kind of stuff. But I think a tangible thing too, we found um, is just setting expectations. So we have Sunday night meetings where we'll go over what the week looks like. And so, you know, Zach will know, okay, I have a shoot on Thursday. So Wednesday, I'm probably working a long, a long day or going into the evening. And so, you know, before we would have these meetings, I would just think, okay, Wednesday's a normal day. And then he's like, oh, I'm working really late. And then there'd be tension. And so setting expectations on Sunday mm-hmm. evenings of, okay, what does your week look like? What does my week look like? You know, I really would love to do this, or I have this meeting with this person. Um, can you watch the boys? No, I can need to find someone kind of just going through all those details. Um, it just helped us kind of have expectations yeah. going mm-hmm. into our weeks that decreased a lot of the tension points. Um, and we could yeah. serve each other and know what to expect for the week to come. It's another <laughs> one of the things Linda and Drew were like, I also don't like meetings. And the fact that we were setting this meeting in our life. I loved it. <laughs> but it was, but it's, now it's spring. Like now, if we don't have it, guaranteed we'll probably have some sort of small, very yeah. small fight in the middle of the week. Or we'll just be because, stressed because we don't know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes, literally takes like 10 minutes. That's such a great and simple idea. A weekly family meeting. We have to do this. Oh, yes. So there are no surprises, you know, in the middle of the week. I mean, there are always going to be surprises, but at least you're going to be better prepared to handle them. No, you don't understand. This is my game. Structure <laughs> is my game. And then this way we can see the bigger picture of the week. So we can actually look at the time that we have and then set aside some for work stuff and personal time and then time together. It's kind of fun to see the shift in priorities. I can definitely say that when I was younger, I was fine allocating all of my time to work or whatever my passion was at that time, basketball. But now, even though it's harder to manage sometimes, life is 100% more fulfilling when I'm sharing the time with you and family. Yeah, so many of us, when we're young and driven, we either think like we can have it all or we're of the thought that it's one or the other, like work versus family. So Zach, did you expect that you would be doing all the things that you do and get to take your family along for the adventure? You know, I, I have never felt like it's uh, having family or being in an even relationship early on. That was one of my fears of dating. I didn't date anyone until I met Rachel because I felt like it would take away from my YouTube, my, my budding YouTube career, whatever that was going to be. You know, it was something at film school, everyone would kind of make fun of like, why are you on this website? It was not, you know, no one took it seriously as a career for sure, but it was more a place that was still a place you post funny cat videos. And so that's what I started doing. And uh, it kind of took off from there. But you can't predict your your own life adventure, you know, and it's been awesome because Rachel's joined me for the whole time. And so we've got to, to ride that roller coaster together. But having kids has enhanced so many parts of my life. But I think for our kids and family, we found that having these experiences, uh, several big ones throughout the year, I mean, we're trying to build like their memory bank of these awesome experiences, um, give them life experiences and, and chances just to try things that they, you know, that push them out of their comfort zone, whether it's going camping or going on crazy hikes or, you know, we live in an area where it's very um, rural and we can do it somewhere raising chickens right now. They just, we taught them how to change the chicken feed this morning. Um, awesome. So just trying to give them a full breadth of experiences. And that kind of comes from her family upbringing um, where her family, her dad set a goal of going to take their kids to six different continents. The seventh one, they have to take him. So that's Antarctica and they're going to do it in probably oh, two or three wow. years. But um, he took them to all six continents and that's something, an experience I want to give my kids, you know? So I think there's these 
awesome work experiences that we're you know getting to do and then um and there's some family involvement in those as well yeah but then there's these family experiences i think all of them kind of fit with they're not all perfectly scheduled but they fit mm. within life and we kind of look at it in a year uh a year term for planning those so right now we're trying to plan like what are the three or four big things we'll do with our kids that they'll remember even though they're like three and four this year i think they're <laughs> starting to remember these After the break, we talk about how Rachel and Zach each bring joy to their work and how they continue to spread the love at work and home. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. Rachel, question for you. I mean, you guys both have lines of work that are all about bringing people joy over the years. And I know I know you guys work together too with um, the magic you bring uh, to your videos. And with fostering. But yeah, with fostering. So you, you don't work in the foster system anymore though, right? Is that- no, so I actually was um, about halfway through my master's in social work um, when I really just felt like I wanted to stay home and serve these kiddos and take care of them. Um, so we kind of made the decision... I've been on his team um, since the beginning. And so I do that very, very part-time, but I really do stay home with the kids and um, run a little bit of, you know, my following followers and things like that. But um, this, I, I wanted to stay home with my kids and raise them. And with foster care, you have visitations and a lot of extra appointments. Um, so it's a full-time job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you could have up to 15 hours of visits a week, that you are monitoring. Um, and then you have extra doctor's appointments and sometimes therapies and just different things. And so I wanted to be able to be present um, for that. Question for both of you. The work that you do you know, brings families together and creates joyful moments. What's your goal? What's the purpose behind all of it? Yeah, I mean, there's a, the, the outward facing goal and then there's the inward kind of team company goal, which you know we're trying to be a successful company that doesn't have, you know, burnout or doesn't, we're not doing these crazy, you know, if we're providing, you know, in a cool way, this wonder to the world, like you look at some companies and, and their family lives are struggling with the people working in there. Like we want to have both. It should be outward, um, great for family, but also like the actual company and the people inside should have uh, a good living and a good family life. And so we structure that kind of around that nine to five as much as we can. But then uh, in terms of the outward stuff, like the goal is when they see the videos, um, you know, especially the little magic ones, it's like inspiring that little change of perspective. I love, I always love seeing magicians growing up and that's kind of where, partly where we get some of the style is in the, in the performance of, you know, the tricks or the way that they, they tease the tricks and then, and have the grand finale. But for us, it's, it's really twisting your sense of reality for a little bit or like imagining like, what if, you know, what if you could, uh, solve your problems with magic? Like what tricks would you do? And you know, how would you make your life a little better? But the goal is that it's fun to see it. But in that 15 seconds, I'm hoping it inspires kids and, and even adults as it re-sparks imagination to get out there and, and just go create. Like, I love that on our phones now, like which you and I, all of you guys, we had, didn't have when we were kids. But like we had these big clunky camera gorgeous that only someone with a lot of money you know, could, could buy and yeah. you have to refill with expensive tape. Like it's on your phone and it's you know practically... If you have one of these, it's it's all free. The editing software is there. It's like amazing. Mm-hmm. I used to pay 
$1,500 a year for Final Cut Pro for that license. Like yeah. in high school, it was like a joke. And now, and now it's like free on a phone and <laughs> yeah. better quality. So like, I'm like, you have the tools in your pocket, like you can go make stuff. And that's the goal is that it turns from consumption. I think we all like consume so much media, but the goal is really that you get out, you know, maybe even with your show, like people are inspired also and like go out and tackle projects in the real world, mm-hmm. you know, actually like get off their phones and TVs and go. So did you have that passion? Did you do magic in a conventional magician way as a kid? And then you started to learn more about perception and ways that you could uh, use your so, skills with Final Cut? Yeah, it kind of was... Uh, magic as a kid was a big thing for me. I remember my first... I think it was my fifth or sixth birthday party. And there was a magician there. And uh, it blew my mind that like... I knew... You know, like it's everybody. You know there's a trick. He's doing some sort of uh, trickery right in front of your eyes. But you just... For a second, you believe almost spiritually like that he has magic and this, this woman has magic. And all of a sudden, um, you know, once I figured out it was a trick, I had to learn the techniques. So I would go to the library, check out the books. Uh, there wasn't like, I wish there was YouTube. I bet I'd be decently good at real magic or we probably <laughs> both would have been if there was actual tutorials like there is now, but it was books. And like, you'd have to like figure out the steps between these like pictures that took massive leaps in the techniques. But um, so I learned card tricks and I learned all kinds of sleight of hand. And I actually performed at a few birthday parties throughout oh, nice. middle school and it was more like my friend's family, you know, throwing me in. Yeah. Uh, throwing you on. And yeah, it was just a fun thing. And I actually went with my grandfather to many conferences in the Pacific Northwest as well. The coolest thing about Zach's magic is that he actually reveals how it's done. Yeah. This makes it way more exciting because it empowers everyone to give it a try and just have fun with it. For the record, when our nieces and nephews are asked if they want to watch a movie, they now say, no, they want to watch Zach King. <laughs> That's and great. They've been inspired to make their own magic videos as well. It's just so cool because anytime someone can teach others, it's like passing on the magic. Well, I think that's the part that makes it like a little bit like they can like see that they can do it themselves. Yeah, yeah like exactly. They can all of a sudden be like, wait, it was that, you know, whether it's that simple or or they did it that way. Like, oh, I could do it on a smaller version, you know, myself. So uh, of all the, what you guys have created on the video side that you share and inspire people with, what's been the most exciting for you? Which, which type of videos that you do are the most exciting? Yeah, so one of my favorite videos actually recently you know, it, it came, the idea came around COVID and, um, this is early last year when everyone was starting to go indoors and I was making tents with my kids, you know, just little, little sheet tents in the living room. And, uh, we were going in there and I was like, would it be awesome if we could open up the back sheet and like it would go into the woods or something, or we could have an adventure outside. And, um, so we thought of this idea, like if you open up, if you make a blanket for it and open up the back, you could end up actually in a, in a little beautiful vista. So we trekked up to a mountaintop, we built a little set, um, and the door. The cool, it was cool because the set opens up in the back. Like literally, there's no editing. It's just it's all practical. It's one of those tricks, and um, and we're, I'm always nervous shooting with the kids because I mean they're unpredictable. It's like a rule of Hollywood, you know. It's like animals and kids yeah. are like the last things you want to film with um, <laughs> because they're they're just you can never like you have two takes with our kids, and as awesome as they are, like they're they'll be looking at butterflies. Like you can't get them yeah. doing. Just like that. So, I had marshmallows and I, I kept saying like, okay, if you do another one, you get a marshmallow. Literally, I can use the exact same thing with Linda. She loves marshmallows and butterflies. You can pay so, me marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it seems like you're a big kid. Like you're someone who never forgot how to dream and never forgot how to create. And it comes out in what you do. And then I, I read as well that you have a um, kids books that you've written as well, which is pretty cool. So tell us about that inner kid. Well, that was like me and Rachel would go out the actual book series. We'd go out to dinner and, you know, 
fans come up all the time and a lot of them like six and under, they think the magic is real. Like they'll ask Rachel if she has magic. They'll ask me like, can you do a magic trick? And they like believe that I can jump through walls or, you know, everything that I do in the videos. And I would tell them like, well, here's how it works. Breaking down the editing. I'm like, if you get this software, like you can do this too. And they would, instead of walking away excited, like I thought that they would be stoked. Like if I was a kid and I was told how to do, I would go do it. These kids are like walking away, like sometimes crying because the magic isn't real. And so I, that was a terrible, I felt terrible giving that answer. So uh, I turned to my team and were like, Hey, we need to make something that I can like physically carry around with me, give to people and show like, this is where the magic came from, like that origin story. So we made a fictional story about how, when I was a kid, like I was part of a magical family. There's only a few magicians in the entire world. Um, And they lay low because, you know, they've been abused in the past for other things. So they just use their powers for good secretly in the world. But Zach doesn't have magic and it's his story, origin story of how he uh, acquires his power or learns that he has the magic ability. Um, so but yes, he is a big kid in real big life. Big kid, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I have three sons. Yeah. It's best way possible, but it's true. I mean, we just moved up into a new home a few months ago. I mean, the first thing that I'm looking for on a property is like the agents, like, you know, what do you guys like about it? I'm like, the fact that there could be a 30 foot zip line from here to the back of the yard. Yeah. I like that the rope swing would be actually pretty scary. I'm like, um, oh, the oh pink gosh. colors, the furniture, yeah. you know. We oh saw gosh. we saw the picture of your barn and your your salad tree. That's amazing. Yes. Oh, That's yes. a dream. It's That's been it. it's been amazing. The kids love it. I mean, we love it. We we have really been enjoying it. Um, have more space, and it's been fun to kind of be putting the house together and things like that. From um, kids coming from trauma, it's really healing for them to have space and animal interaction. So, um, I mean, we got our chickens and we have two tortoises on the property um, and we have goats coming in a couple months. So we really wanted it to be an oasis that kids can come and, and friends and family when that all, you know, starts to go back to normal, but an oasis for people to enjoy. um, Have that sensory. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of mental wellness, you both give so much to your communities through your work through your family. How do you guys recharge as a couple and individually? Individually, um, two things for me. I mean, the Bible and then cold plunges. I do both of those daily and the cold plunge. I mean, that I love just to have a fight or flight moment. Like even if it's five minutes in the morning and uh, you guys are looking at each other, do either of you do cold plunges? She's asked me, so our whole Wim Hof thing, we're like, okay, come on. Linda, you're into Wim Hof? By the way, Wim Hof is known as the Iceman. He's an athlete and holds 26 Guinness World Records for things like longest ice bath, which was like an hour and 52 minutes and 42 seconds. I can't do an ice bath for five (laughs) seconds, let alone an hour and 52 the Wim Hof method, he develops that involves breathing practices and cold exposure as a way to become happier, healthier, and stronger. We like the idea of it. I, I love cold plunges. I love oh, it. It makes me feel uncomfortable just talking about it. it but I get anxiety so every time I know I'm going to do it. But you I've join. Done, I've yeah. done a few. We did one um, up uh, in Oregon a while ago and. 42 yeah. degree water. That was just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you do it like every day. Do you have, you keep a cold tub going or, or you do a cold, cold shower? shower? So, I mean, right now, no, I can't do the shower. That actually takes a ton of discipline. I think to stay under the stream for me, jumping in and being stuck in the water is just easy. You just yeah. getting out is when you, you know, yeah. so um, yeah, we don't heat the pool at all. And it, and it gets pretty cold up here. It's not freezing. It's like 55, 54 yeah. degrees today in the water. But um, no, during the summer, I'm going to set up a little cold plunge. 
Good for you, though. It's, I uh, I mean, I know it's healthy. Yeah. I have gotten into yoga, um, especially during COVID, but that time during the day, um, I do more sculpt yoga. So more, a little bit more intense. Um, but kind of that is like my escape time. Like my Mm -hmm. mind can just be off and, um, I don't have kids to worry about or things to think about. Like that's kind of my, um, I also feel like that's partly your community time. Like I often see you Skyping. Yeah. I'll Skype my friends and we'll do it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's been, that's been really good for my mental health. Um, That's good though to have to bring your friends in to keep you accountable. So like having somebody else to kind of keep you accountable is is a good thing. We the one thing I would say with isolation with us has been really good is Linda and I have been able to spend so much more time together and do all those things we've always talked about from meditation, cooking breakfast in the morning together, um, winding up at the end of the night, reading before like before bed, did not you, just. Did you notice how you said phone. winding up at the end of the winding night? Up, winding up, <laughs> winding up, and then down. Reading, getting all these ideas, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I pretend to go to sleep. And then as soon as she's asleep, I run into the office and start working out. <laughs> uh, do you do you find that these rituals help with your creativity as well? Like being um, both of you in such creative, uh, I guess, creatively demanding um, roles. How do you refill that, I guess, that mind and that imagination and passion? It's for me, it's really about the routines. You know, for a lot of creatives, I know it's like them waiting around playing music, waiting for the muse to hit them once or twice a year and kind of having different experiences. Um, but for me, it's like putting in the time and putting in the practice. And I, I think it's, it's set up in between these routines, like seven fifty cold plunge and it's, I'm in the water and I noticed like, if I don't do it at seven I'm going to not do it that day. I'm going to have, there's something weird going to happen in the day. It's going to be off. Rachel yeah. will notice it. Like, um, just cold plunge devos, hour coffee time writing and then going into actual kind of work creative mode um like that routine is huge for me and not missing it uh during the week is is how i survive creatively i'm not as strict on my time um just because with the boys and appointments and different things like that but um for me in addition to yoga like similar having a time of like sitting down with my bible and my calendar and coffee and again, going back to the list, as cheesy as it sounds like when that's done, then I feel like I can be a present mom and I can be, you know, present in our home and I'm happier and I'm more at peace when I don't feel like I'm trying to remember all these things. Mm. Um, so I think for both of us having that space to just kind of like be present, um, for ourselves and that's something we've realized in each other. And so we will make sure each other can get that. Um, I think yeah. that's huge in a marriage too, of like, Hey, you take your 20 minutes or your 30 minutes and then I'll take mine at one or, you know, figuring mm-hmm. out when we can give that to each other is mm-hmm. important, especially when you have kids, because <laughs> especially young kids, um, it's just hard to say like, okay, I'm going to take 30 minutes, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it doesn't really work that way. So kind of working as a team to make sure we get that. If you were to step back and you were to speak to your younger self, is there anything you would want to change? I would tell myself, to, if anything, continue to have uncomfortable experiences, push yourself to do things that you don't want to do. I think above anything, I mean, at the core, core, as a storyteller, whatever story formats those may take um, or whatever stories they might be, I found that most of mine come from life experiences. Um, It's like once a year right now, I do a big experience. I just finished mine from the previous year. It's like called a Misogi. 
It's like a based off a Japanese ritual where you do this, this one year, this crazy, it's usually physical, something that you think you can't accomplish. Like I did 50 miles hike from uh, the border uh, of Mexico through uh, Arizona uh, to the next checkpoint. But that to me was like with no phone, no GPS. It was like, you either make it or, I mean, I actually wrote a will before that. I was praying during it. What? Somebody comes to the street at the right time. (laughs) I wrote a will to myself. I would email to her like scheduled in case I didn't get back like a week after I was supposed to get back and would email to her. Uh, and it was oh like, I, I knew you could do it, but it was like that intense. There were, pe- there was somebody like making sure. Yeah, I had somebody with me, two people with me. Yeah. Um, okay. I was but, say, know, like, still crazy. She would not want me doing that. Yeah. That's, that's like, this is the cool. thing that if, if I only do one thing that year and the, the year goes to hit the ceiling, which I mean, in some ways it kind of did, like I would remember that one thing and that I accomplished that. And so yeah. for me, it's like setting those crazy experiences. Um, that's what I tell yeah. myself to do, especially, you know, pre-married to her like i would say go do 20 of those a year like you can you can do it at that age yeah 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 Uh, i think that i would tell my younger self to not care what people think um i feel like in the last couple years um i've kind of honed in on that or tried to even more but i feel like there's just so much pressure from other people and society like you're always getting different voices of this is how you should be or you should be the successful or you you should work you should stay home like there's just so many voices and to say this is how I feel like this is the right way to live for me. And I have peace with that. And, you know, the people that love me are going to be around me. And just to not let so many other voices into my head, uh, I think mm-hmm. at the beginning, you know, that was a struggle for me. So how did you overcome that? Cause that's, that's not a small thing. And I think I deal with this as well with, with our relationship. It's very easy to, to fall into the trap of just living up to the expectation of like being someone's wife or especially someone's wife who, who's in the public eye. So mm-hmm. how did you overcome just establishing your own self-identity? Um, therapy. <laughs> um, I am a firm believer of therapy, but also I did a lot of journaling. Um, I did a lot of self-reflection time, you know, yoga, things that I enjoyed um, and conversations with Zach too of, you know, kind of what you mentioned, you know, he's in the public eye. He has a certain... You'd be shocked at what people say though. Like when you overhear, it's like, like, Rachel, what do you do? We're like, like, (laughs) I'm like, hold on. Rachel's like literally the rock to like, I know I'm the public version of us, but like, but you just, yeah, I think it's a process. And when you're married to someone in the public eye, it's a a journey. I don't think people kind of expect you to go through It's They're like, Oh, your life's so easy. And you're like, well, okay, but I have struggles too. And so just a lot of journaling, self-reflection and yeah, just coming back to, you know, finding my identity and, you mm-hmm. know, being at peace with that. But I, I think that's the thing, though, kind of what you said, Zach, too. Like, people don't, they don't understand what they're saying or what they're asking and how rude it can come across and, and how disrespectful it can be. Because I 100% will admit, I could not be accomplishing anything that I accomplished if it wasn't for Linda by my side. And just because I'm the public facing side of a lot of our shows, I mean, you know, every, you know, people see Linda in some of our shows and obviously the podcast, but just because I have that exposure in the shows doesn't mean I'm the only one who's working and achieving things. Right. So it's, it's a team, it's a team effort. Yeah. She's the captain. I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here, let's do, let's do some rapid questions for it. you guys. All right. So ready. And I mean, if, if you want to answer together or individually, it's up to you guys. So what okay. meal makes you feel at home and who cooked it? Uh, when it rains, 
she makes the best chicken pot pie. We were actually just talking about this morning because it's supposed to rain. Like this is how much we love it. It's supposed to rain on Saturday. So we've already planned that one day meal. Oh, okay. So we might be at your door. Yeah, we'll um, be over. (laughs) 20 feet away. (laughs) Um, Charcuterie board and jalapeno poppers. Yes. Now I'm really hungry. Okay. (laughs) Rapid fire, rapid fire. Okay. But I'm hungry. (laughs) What is your uniform at home? Sweats and a t-shirt. This, this is all I want. Oh, every day, black t-shirt. Uh, probably fine. It's $10 on Amazon. They, they mail to me. What uh, what smell reminds you of home? Uh, tea tree oil, which she... I, my grandfather wore tea tree oil and I loved it. And so I'll like douse myself in it before bed. And Rachel just... <laughs> oh yeah, Linda, Linda douses herself and then she comes in for a kiss. I'm like, my eyes are burning. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Lavender. 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 I was going to say lavender. Sure. Mm. Mm. Nice. What sound reminds you of home? Oh, the ocean, because that's the thing we play in the nursery for the boys every night. And we can hear it in our <laughs> monitor and it's so freaking loud. But I would, if I hear it, I'm like, oh, the boy. Oh. <laughs> Worship music, because I always grew up without playing around. How do you feel the moment that you're home? Safe. Welcomes. Coming home is the best. When you guys have kids, you'll know the kids are waiting at the door like, mm. daddy. Uh, my only experience is with, with like dogs when you can oh, turn yeah. around be gone for 30 seconds and you come back and it's like you've been gone for a day yep. so I can take kids will be amplified for that yes. <laughs> who makes you feel most at home yeah. um, I think probably your mom I would like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know she's just like really welcoming <laughs> she's very uh, she's a great like when Marie's here it's like there's the smell of the kitchen going. She's always mm. cooking. I just walk in the door. Like she's always affirming. It's cozy home. Moms can do that. All right. And last one. What song reminds you of home? Uh, mine that my parents uh, always raised us. We lived on a country windy road and they would always play when we got to that road, uh, country road by, is it Denver? Something Denver? Yeah. John Denver. Uh, so country road. Um, Everything by Michael Bublé. That was my dad and my song um, growing up. So anytime we hear that, it just makes me feel like home. Before we let them go, we had one more question for Rachel and Zach. And the answer was just the thing I needed to hear. Well, even though we know this innately, sometimes you need to hear it from someone else. And that's the beauty of sharing our stories with one another to remind ourselves of what's important. So we asked them, where did they find magic in life? Uh, to, to me, the magic in life is in the little things. I think it's taking in, you know, we, we do try to plan all these massive big experiences, but it's the little things are you know, what take up the whole year. And I think especially having kids, seeing what, you know, they will be on a walk and they'll bend down and look at like the way a, a worm is crawling or a rock is hitting like a, a leaf and it's fun to them. And, and actually getting down on that level uh, is really inspiring. So to me, it's like looking in the little things. Mm-hmm. I think people, I think that you can have all the experiences in the world. And if you are doing it completely isolated and alone, the magic won't be there. Um, it's all about the people, whether it's your family or even interacting with new people and new cultures and that experience, um, people bring magic to life. Thank you for joining us one more time. This is the end. That's it. That's the end. I wanted to keep going. Maybe it's the end of the beginning. No. Ooh, it, every end is a beginning. This is the to be continued. But we want to <laughs> say a huge thank you to all of our at-home homies, Brandon Angelino. Annalie Bell. 
Anna Fan, Courtney Iwanis, Wes Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant Harvey. And our theme song is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. Music composed by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a few seconds, don't forget to subscribe and rate. You can also leave us a comment or connect with us on social. We always love to hear from you guys. At At Home is our handle. And thanks to you, Truby. Thanks to you, Booby. <laughs> Booby? <laughs> well, love you and good night. Yeah.